From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm your host, Stephen Cap Perry. Andrea Kleesaddle started studying violin in kindergarten thanks to a free Suzuki program in the Cincinnati Public Schools, but her days with the violin were short-lived. A year later, as a much wiser first grader, she decided to switch to the cello because she was tired of standing up when she practiced. Now undergraduate and graduate music degrees later, including a doctorate from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, she's still happily playing her cello while sitting down. Currently as a cellist with the Hyogo Performing Center Orchestra in Osaka, Japan. We'll leap right into the music. Well, can you do that while you're sitting? We'll find out. This is Serenade for Solo Cello. We'll hear four short movements of the nine total by Heinrich Werner Henze. He lived till 2012, a German composer who throughout his career constantly was adapting his style as he encountered new influences. Here is Andrea Kleesaddle. Thank you. 
Heinrich Werner Hens's Serenade for Solo Cello, we heard four short movements from the nine, performed live by cellist Andrea Kleesaddle. Andrea has come to us all the way from Japan, where she plays with the orchestra I mentioned, Yogo Performing Center Orchestra in Japan. How interesting to be in an orchestra where you have term limits. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. So it's a three-year term. You're two and a half into that. It's true, yeah. And does that work with so many people from all, all different... They say music is a universal language, but... You do have to communicate in rehearsal. Yeah, it's true. We have um, our rehearsals are technically in English. Sometimes we had a Japanese conductor who doesn't really feel comfortable in English, and we kind of make do. But the rehearsals generally are run in English, and everybody who doesn't understand English so well manages to get by. So it's a little chaotic, but it works. I figured yeah. there was a lot of Italian pianissimo. Sforzano. It's true. Yeah, there's some Vivace. very <laughs> very general terms that everybody can kind of get behind. Yeah. Well, I, I'm wondering, because this orchestra is so famous for doing something monumental, I have to ask you about this, mm -hmm. because you've been part of this. They do Beethoven's Ninth, the gigantic ninth with the, with the incredible ending, with a 10,000-person choir. Where do, you, where do you put, much less find, but once you have them, where do you put a 10,000-person choir? Yeah, it's in a huge coliseum. I mean, when you think, where do you get 10,000 people? Usually it's in a huge coliseum. So the orchestra is down on the the floor of the stadium, and it's filled. It's surrounded. We're surrounded with um, an audience of 10,000 people and singers. So it's kind of nice. We have a built-in audience um, whenever we do that performance. Meaning the singers fill yeah. up the whole place. Yeah. They are the, yeah. Oh, They're my wonderful. goodness. So how did this become a tradition? Um, I, you know, I heard, I think Japan just has a real affinity for the ninth. It's always played around Christmas time. There's something about it in December. Every orchestra in Japan mm. is doing this thing of 10,000, or not 10,000 people. Our orchestra does the 10,000 people, but everybody does the Beethoven nine in, during that time. So it's just, it's very popular and it's a really big deal for the singers to be able to do it. There's a lottery and several months of preparation in each of their individual locations. And then they all come together for this weekend. It's extremely well organized, extremely well organized and very impressive. Well, and to make it more difficult, I heard it's now going to go on tour. Yeah, not all 10,000 people. So the okay. orchestra, okay. the orchestra will go on tour. Most of the 10,000 people, they will still do the annual 10,000 people single concert. That will still happen. Um, but then the orchestra is going to go on a tour around Japan, and I presume that they will then be playing with various choirs um, around Japan that will be filling out that role. I, I pictured like an aircraft carrier yeah. full of people going from town to town. Yeah, it's a small <laughs> army. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you one last question before we get back to music, which is you just played this more modern piece by Henze, mm -hmm. and we're going to hear Bach, and these are almost, I'd have to say, hallowed cello pieces yeah. from Bach. Yeah. Is the technique that different, or is it just the notes that are different? Wow, it's a, it's a very interesting question. There is There are some things about the technique that are different. Um, uh, certain registral things, the Bach doesn't require you to go into certain registers, so that's a little bit different. Um, there's also not so much pizzicato. There was some pizzicato in that last piece, as well as some harmonics. Those are also technical things that are different in the Henza. Um, but yeah, there there still is a similarity you can find in, in the Henza, in the Bach, and then also in the Britain, which I'll be playing later, just certain lines that connect. Um, so trying to find different melodies and supportive harmonies to the phrases. So, Good. Well, yeah. we'll let you take your place. If you're going to hear a, a, a whole evening of a solo instrument, there is a very small top echelon of instruments that, are, you, that can satisfyingly do a whole evening, and cello is up there in the top three, in my personal opinion. We're going to hear from suite number two in D minor, 
uh, for solo cello by Bach. Uh, the first and third movement right now, and then we'll hear more later. We'll hear the prelude and the courant. There was a little bit of mystery about who wrote this because of some notations that were found. It turned out most likely to be by Bach's second wife, who was good at notating music, but really bad at putting the slurs in the right places. But we think it was Bach. So here is Andrea Kleesaddle with Prelude and Courant. Thank you. 
from Bach's Suite No. 2 in D minor for solo cello, performed live in studio for us today by cellist Andrea Cleesaddle. You are also Dr. Cleesaddle. Yeah, I guess I am. Yeah. <laughs> One of your secret identities. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to do what we have to ask anyone who's written a thesis is say, please translate the title into English for us. I have the title as Applications of Somatic Practices to Cello Playing and Pedagogy. Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean to us normal folk? Well, um, somatics, are somatic practices, are ways of um, connecting the mind and body. Uh, so kind of yoga is maybe a form of somatic practice that a lot of people might be aware of. You practice yoga and you get really in tune with your spine and your knee bone and your elbow bone and right. what your body is doing, how it, it is moving in space. So basically my doctorate or my thesis was just kind of finding a way to for cellists to use that information to understand how their body is working in a more holistic way. Um, yeah, and also to use that for teaching as well. And is that also a way of staying healthy and not getting injured with all the particular specific movements of a cellist? Yeah, absolutely. Certainly somatic practices are definitely used to help um, just playing health, yeah, being injury-free, but also for expression and um, just it's it's always better if your whole body is doing exactly what you know it's doing to be aware of what you're doing, yeah. Not only is that understandable, but it totally makes sense. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I need your opinion on this. These Bach cello suites, some people have said, well, I, I think they were studies that he wrote, oh. like etudes. And then Pablo Casals found them when he was 13 at a used bookstore in Barcelona, started right. playing them. And suddenly, once he recorded them some 50 years later, 
They took off. What do you think? Were they etudes? Or could he just not resist writing music if, even if he was trying to write a study? Yeah, I mean, for me, I've never thought of them as being etudes personally. Um, maybe that's possible. I mean, Bach was definitely quite the genius. So many of his works are just transcendent. So it's possible if he was writing an etude, it was an incredible etude. Um, and it's also, I think, just in the eyes of the beholder. There are some other cello etudes that I think are really wonderful pieces of music. So... I would not consider them to be etudes. I think they're wonderful pieces on their own. Good. We're yeah. going to hear three more of these from this same. This is from Suite Number 2 in D minor for solo cello. Now we'll hear movements 4, 5, and 6, Sarabande and Minuet 1 and 2. I'm voting for just plain old good music. Performed now by our guest today, Andrea Cleesaddle. Thank you. 
Andrea Cleesaddle performing Minuets 1 and 2 and the Saraband of Bach Suite No. 2 in D minor, live in studio. You're listening to Highway 89. And I should mention that Andrea, as part of the Niles String Quartet, studied with the Juilliard String Quartet and the Banff Music Center in Canada and soloed with the Lexington Philharmonic Orchestra as well. So wonderful to hear you play. I'm so glad you've come to play for us today. Now, on your blog, you mentioned something that playgoers will understand, but I don't know if we think about this very often musically, which is you mentioned that your goal would be to dissolve that fourth wall. And if people picture going to a play, there's the back wall and the side walls, and the actors never seem to directly address the audience. That's that invisible fourth wall. So what what do you mean when you're talking about doing that with music? Yeah, I guess it is. Um, you know, when I'm sitting on stage in an orchestra, I sort of pretend that there is no audience there. Um, sometimes I forget when I see a really cute kid in the front row or somebody who seems to be really enjoying it. But the idea is that we walk on the stage very formally and we just do our thing and we're focused only on that thing that we're doing without really sharing it, making sure that it's something that is an interactive experience with the audience. Um, so I was doing uh, Classical Revolution in Madison, which is um, a program or an organization that takes music into Um, cafes and bars and that's a really wonderful opportunity instead of walking onto the stage and sitting down and playing at an audience you actually get up from your chair leave your coffee there and go and perform for people so it's um it's a very interactive sort of thing really like a give and take of music people can show their appreciation quite vocally and well it seems like that's a situation where you would be sitting so close that I mean, your bow might almost bump somewhere up there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it does kind of feel that intimate. Yeah. So So what kind of music goes over best in a situation like that, in in a a setting? Is there some particular kind of chamber music? 
Um, I, you know, usually we would just try to get a number of people, as many people as we could, involved. But it really depends on the venue. So if it's a really small, intimate bar, then you know, some even a solo instrument or just like a duo would be great. But if it's a, maybe a more bright space, like a bright cafe or something, you could have a brass quintet. It really just depended on what kind of venue uh, it would be. Anything was good. We think solo cello was perfectly suited for our venue. <laughs> so we'll let you take your place because we're going to end with this Benjamin Britten solo cello piece that Andrea mentioned earlier. This is his suite number two for solo cello, written in 1967. He dedicated this to Mstislav Rostropovich, well-known conductor and cellist, who also played the premiere. And we'll hear two movements from this, the declamato, followed by the scherzo. Again, this is performed by our guest today, Andrea Kleesaddle. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
just heard the angular lines of the scherzo and declamato movements of Benjamin Britten's Suite Number no. 2 for solo cello, performed live by our guest Andrea Kleesadl. That ends this episode. Andrea Kleesadl is currently a cellist with the Hyogo Performing Center Orchestra in Osaka, Japan. You can learn more about her upcoming projects online at andreakleesadl.wordpress.com. That's K-L-E-E-S-A-T-T-E-L. Andrea, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And part of the magic is we're not hearing a recording of you, just you creating it live here in the room. Very <laughs> exciting. We'd also like to thank Liz and Andrew, Andrew Maxfield and their A-Frame concert series for helping arrange Andrea's performance. And don't forget, we love to hear from you, our listeners. Send your comments and questions by email to highway89 at byu.edu. Our Instagram and Twitter feeds are at byuh89. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. Our recording engineer is Mark Waite. Our student assistant is Abby Horlocker. And our show's producer is Jackie Tataishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening.